Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Today, we're going to start a new series, and the series is called Foundation. And I just have to tell you something really, really cool uh, about this morning and about our worship set. So my son uh, put together the worship set and, and, and helped lead worship this morning, and we had not communicated about his songs that he picked out, and, and uh, I don't even think he knew that we were starting a new series, and the name of our series is Foundation, and this morning we did the song, Christ is Our Firm Foundation, and the very text of scripture that it, it talks about in there is Matthew 7, which is the main text that I'm going to be speaking from today. And that was just the beginning. There were several of the songs that had elements of what I'm going to be speaking on. So how many of you know, if you're me and you're standing there and you're looking at the worship set and listening to the music and you're seeing a lot of the things that you're going to be preaching about appear on the screen in the words of what we're singing, you're encouraged. You're like, oh, I guess I didn't screw that up after all. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today I want to talk to you about something. I want to, I want to start with a question. And here's the question that I want to ask all of you in this room, no matter what age you are, no matter what stage you're in of life, here's my question for you. Who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your life? And uh, my, my topic today is really going to be about the authority of the Scripture in our lives, the authority of the Scripture, the authority of the Bible, and what we believe and, and think about the authority of the Bible, and what authority are we taking our cues from in our life? Who's in charge of your life? Amen? We're going to start today uh, with doing, by doing something that Christians have done for over 2,000 years, and that is we're going to read the Bible together out loud. So v- warm up your vocal cords all together now. Me, 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 me. Okay. Okay, and here we go. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Matthew 7, 24 is our main text that we're gonna, uh, I'm going to be sharing from today. And, and let's read this out loud together. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Amen? We're going to talk about a wise man and a foolish man today. And we're going to talk about a rock and some sand And we're going to talk about a storm. And uh, as we get into that, I want to start by sharing with you one of our beliefs as a church. If if you went to our website or if you look at our bylaws and you look at our statement of faith or what we call our beliefs, one of the beliefs that you would find is this belief that we have about the Bible. So here's our belief as a church about the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and complete word, uh, word. We believe it is the final authority for all doctrine and conduct. Okay, so that's my starting point. And I, I want to begin with a series of questions for your life. And I want you, as, as you listen to these questions, I want you to assess your life and think about your life. Because really, when somebody's up here preaching, one of the main things we want to do in, in this two-way, there's actually a two-way thing going on. You realize this is not just me lecturing And this is not just me monologuing, even though it might seem like that at times, 
But this is an interactive thing that all of us are doing. If you're a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, then there's a conversation going on and the conversation goes like this. The person is speaking, they're sharing scripture, those things are going into our mind and then we ourselves are having an inner conversation with the indwelling Holy Spirit and we're checking what is being said against scripture, making sure that that guy up there or that that man or that woman that's talking to us is lining up with the spirit of scripture but also what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? So we have a lot more going on than just me standing up here talking to you, amen? So in light of that, here are some questions for you. The first question, who or what determines your beliefs, thoughts, feelings, decisions, or concepts of right and wrong, good and evil? Now we would say here, we believe the Bible and its revelation of Jesus determines those answers best. So we believe the scripture shows us and, and informs what we believe, what we think, what we feel, our decisions, our concepts of right and wrong, and good and evil. Secondly, remember these questions are for you. Who or what is the first thing you consult when you make life decisions? So you're facing you know, a new job, a relationship, a financial matter. You're facing a, a spiritual question in your life that's really important. Where do you go first? What is your default in your decision making? What informs the steps that you take? And we'll talk about what some of the different voices or authorities in our life are in a few minutes, but who do you consult when you make life decisions? We believe, again, as a church, that the Bible, prayerfully read in relationship with God, is the first place to consult for patterns and principles of life and decision making. Now, I understand that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to do this, right? You're, you're thinking about uh, whether or not you should take a job that's offered before you, and, you know, you're not going to go like this, right? Do Bible roulette, and then put your finger down, and it's not going to say, Doug, take the job at Lowe's. <laughs> we understand the Bible's not quite that personal and specific, right? But what the Bible does do is it gives us broad principles that are underlying foundational things in us. So, so in other words, it checks the motives. So you get ready to make a decision in your life. The scripture, as you read it, remember this about the Bible. You don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. Did you catch that? You don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. So as you're looking at scripture, meditating on it, studying it, and you're looking into its pages, it is also like a mirror reflecting back to you the state of your heart, your motives, your your thinking, your imaginations, and it's showing you what's going on inside you. So you get ready to make a decision, and if that decision is all about motivations inside of you, maybe that are wrong, maybe there are motivations just so you'll be recognized, or just so you'll have more money, or just so people will think greater of you. If those things are a part of it, the scripture can show you that and check your motives, and sometimes you'll change your decision because the scripture's informing it. Does that make sense? Number three, who or what has the final say in your life when it comes to a moral or ethical question, right? Like, is that morally, ethically right? Is, Is the direction I'm going going to represent Jesus Christ and his kingdom? Is this integrity? Am I lying? Am I deceiving? Am I twisting and distorting truth or reality? See, again, we believe the Bible and its moral laws. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say here. We believe the Bible and its moral laws revealed most perfectly in Jesus 
provide the clearest standards for morals, ethics, and right living. And this begins with the great commandments. The Bible teaches that the two commandments, which are really one commandment, two sides of of the same coin, the great commandments are the commandments on which all the rest of the commandments in Scripture hang. And what are the great commandments? We see them in Mark chapter 12, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. So when you get ready to make a decision, when, you, when you're looking at a moral or ethical dilemma, the question is, will this thing cause me to love God with more of my being and will it help me to love my neighbor as I love myself? Now, if I'm getting ready to make a decision and this thing isn't gonna, you know, I mean, if, if like I'm looking at a job, I keep coming back to that one, maybe this is for somebody. I'm looking at a job and, and it's gonna, I'm gonna make twice as much money as I'm making right now. But I'm not gonna see my family. And I'm gonna literally have to sell my soul to the company store and it's not just a see for a season, This is going to be my life from this time out. If I'm going to go anywhere with this company, if I'm going to go anywhere in this endeavor, I'm not going to be able to be a presence in my kid's life. I'm not going to be able to strengthen my marriage. I'm not going to be able to go to church. I'm not going to be able to have time in the Bible. I'm not going to be able to have a relationship with God. I can tell you almost certainly that if you're facing that ethical or moral dilemma of taking something that's going to rob from you all the important relationships in your life, even though you're going to make a lot more money, that is probably not not the will of God for you. Somebody just got slapped upside the head, right? But that's what I mean by, by, by those underlying principles that inform our decisions. Here's another question. Who or what determines your view of God, of Jesus, and the human need for salvation and redemption? Because again, this is what I find happening in the time that we live. I see people making their own Jesus, Do you know what I mean? We take those parts of the Gospels and what Paul says, what the parts of the Bible that uh, about Jesus that we like and agree with. We take those and we begin to fashion something. Now, the things that Jesus said and the things about Christ that are uncomfortable for us or we don't understand or that offend us, because I'm going to tell you, I love this. Timothy Keller said one time, if you read the Bible and you walk with God and he never offends you, you don't have the God of the Bible. Let me just tell you something right now. If you're a Christian and you walk with Jesus Christ, he's going to offend you. He's going to correct you. He's going to straighten you out. He's going to deal with motives. He's going to go to your heart. And so if 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 you've put together a Jesus that you've kind of fashioned, I like this, I don't like that, I like this, and you put together this image in your mind of what Jesus is, you've created an idol which is not the Jesus of the Bible and the gospel, but it's a false Jesus. Whoa. Some of you are looking at me like, you're not very happy with what I just said to you. (laughs) Who or what determines the underlying value system that influences and drives your day-to-day life? See, we believe the scriptures provide the underlying foundations that life must be built upon. The patterns of a life lived in God and experiencing God's redeeming ways is shown forth clearly in scripture. So what is the underlying value system? Like, what is, what's the default in you? You're walking along, pressures come on, decisions are in front of you, temptations happen, um, opportunities come before you. Is there an underlying thing inside of you that instead of just moving with it, going with what you feel, 
You're able to stop and assess through a grid, through, through a filter that is Christ-like, that is from the Bible, and that filter informs your ability to make decisions, the underlying foundational thing beneath you. Now, sadly, we look to a lot of other authorities in our time. And, and I, I was thinking about this. You know, we, sometimes we look to family members. And, and, and listen, if family members, friends, and others are, are confirming what's in Scripture, that's good. We want to get wise counsel, the Scripture tells us to. But if we're looking to family members or friends and their track record, I mean, you look at their life and their track record is they make a series of really bad decisions. They have a tendency to break relationships everywhere they go and they always blame the other person and they don't realize they are the common denominator. They have a tendency to make bad business decisions, financial decisions. They have a tendency to make bad moral decisions. And then we're consulting with them. That's not who we want to look to in those kind of situations. Can I get an amen? Amen. Or, you know, we have experts and professionals. You know, we live in the time of experts and professionals, don't we? And, and have we learned anything the last few years that just because somebody has in front of their name professional or expert doesn't necessarily mean we need to trust them? And that includes me and any of our staff and anybody that stands up here and speaks. Just because we say it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. That's why it's so important that you be biblically informed. That you be people who read scripture, pray through scripture, meditate scripture, memorize it, that you know it. So that when I'm standing up here speaking or Pastor Raul or Noah or Drew or any of us that are on our team are up here speaking, you can evaluate. I don't mean you sit out there as a critic all the time and you're like, "Mm, go ahead, make one mistake. Gah, gotcha. I don't mean that. I mean you're listening and you're like, wait, does that line up? with scripture does that line up with what God is saying sometimes we trust celebrities how about if you're especially a part of the younger generation social media influencers what just because somebody has you know five million followers on a YouTube channel doesn't mean they know anything about life especially if they're 19, 20 years old and they're making a million bucks a year because they're a YouTube channel and all they're doing is goofing around and we're like, wow, when I grow up, I want to be a YouTube influencer. I'm sorry, but there's no moral, ethical backing behind that. That person hasn't lived enough life, failed enough. You know, I trust people, not, not that make a habit of failing, but I trust people that have some good, serious failings and fallings under them. People with scars, with wounds that have made mistakes, that have got up from those mistakes and have gained wisdom. Because how many of you know you can't gain wisdom unless you do it wrong a few times first, right? Sometimes pain is the greatest teacher. But I don't trust somebody out there that's trying to tell me how to live my life on social media. But before the older generation, the wiser generation get too judgmental there. How about your TV news anchors? Ooh. Just because that particular show on that particular cable news network speaks to you and that person gets you stirred up all time and mad and they're standing for what's right and what's good, let's weigh it according to this. Let's weigh it according to this. 
See, everything needs to be tested and proved with Scripture. Anchor, TV news anchors, how about podcasters? I mean, if there's any area that I know of, of, of people that are really being influenced in, it's podcasters. And podcasts can be great, but again, is it lining up with the authority of Scripture? And then the number one authority that all of us at some time in our life trust above every authority, and that's self. I mean, think about this with me for a minute. You and I know so little about life, the world, our neighbor, God. I mean, like a little tiny sliver of information. It's like taking a little bit of light and holding it up to the sun. And yet we'll count on ourselves as the ultimate authority of what is right and ethical and good and true. I mean, I'm telling you, if the only person you ever consult when you get ready to make a decision is me, myself, and I, you are heading down a bad road. Right? So even the trusting of self is going to get us in trouble. So there has to be an objective source that is outside of us that we can trust, an anchor, a, a firm foundation, a solid foundation. Am I talking to anybody today? And we believe that's God, and we believe that God has the authority and that God gave us Scripture as, look, this is beautiful. God's an author. God's a speaker. God has something to say, and he loved us so much that he made sure to put it in a book for us. Think about how profound that is. He didn't leave it up to us to figure it out on our own because we know what happens when we do that. Right? So think about these texts right here. Think about the fact that God created everything just by speaking words. Authority. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, and verse 26. Look at this with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And 10 times we see in Genesis chapter one, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God speaking had the power contained within the very words that he spoke to create everything. As the spirit and the word worked together, creation came to be. And that's the way it is in our life. God looks over this empty and void life that's without spiritual life, that's without Christ, without God, condemned in our sin, and the Spirit of God hovers over us, and God speaks to us through the Word, through the Gospel, through the good news, and faith comes, and we believe, and light comes in, and we're new creations. That's what happens when God speaks. How about this? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word. Think about how profound this is. John is writing here. He's one of the apostles that followed Jesus. He's writing here to a, an audience that he recognizes now has a lot of Greco-Roman influence. A lot of the people he's speaking to are Romans and Greeks, no longer just Jews. And so as he's speaking to them, he understands that many of them have been raised up under the philosopher's Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, and Plato in his Republic writes about the Word. 
And he says the word, which is the Greek word logos, the logos is the power behind everything that exists, the creative power behind everything that exists. So John, knowing his audience now, he writes and he says, in the beginning was the logos. And right then, Greeks and Romans would have been like, yeah, see, even this Jewish man knows that the logos is behind it, but now he ascribes personal being to the logos. And he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word with is face-to-face, pros. And the word was God. Ooh, wait, the word was in the beginning and the word was with and the word is? That's interesting. He was with God in the beginning. Verse three, all things were created. Notice this, through him. Now the word is a him. Him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And if you look down a little bit further, the 14th verse says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten son of the father. So we know that the word the thought, here's what that word means, the story, the narrative, the explanation, the thought of God. So everything God was thinking and feeling about everything, everything from Genesis to the Revelation, everything in the entirety of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch of Moses, all the writings of the Bible, all of them come together in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's the full and complete explanation of everything that God has ever wanted to say. Now think about this. From these two texts of Scripture, in the beginning, God created everything by speaking. In the beginning, the Word created everything. When Jesus is identified in his role at creation, and that's what we're looking at here, before he became known as the man Jesus, before he ever had the name Jesus, he was already pre-existent with the Father in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, second person of the Trinity. He was there at creation. When the Father spoke, he was the word that went actively from that speaking and created everything. And think about this. He's what the Father is always speaking. He is God's story, creating everything for his Father's joy. So everything he does is for his father's joy, and he's the complete explanation. You wanna know what God thinks about the world? You wanna know what God thinks about you? You wanna know what God thinks about salvation and creation? Go and look at Jesus Christ in the gospels and throughout the Bible. Go and look at Jesus. He is the full and perfect explanation and unveiling of the character and the nature of God. You still with me? Okay. I need to move here. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help him, Lord. And the Bible is God's word written down. So when God spoke, what did he do? He wanted to be sure that we got it, so he made sure it was written down, and that's what we call scripture, the Greek word graphe, which means to write down a document of what God had to say. And we, we believe the scriptures are inspired, 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 says, all scripture's inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Those are all words of authority. What, what is the Bible teaching us? The Bible's teaching us that God has authority. Not only is the Bible breathed out of God, but it has the right to speak into our life. It has the right to teach us. It has the right to rebuke us. It has the right to correct us, and it has the right to train us. And to train us is to show us how to do it and walk us through it, amen? Amen. 
So the Bible has all of that going for it. And, and lastly, and this is where I'm going to end, the, the scripture is truly our firm foundation. Look with me as I illustrate this and, and finish up on this text, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Look at this with me. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and now he really kind of brings it home. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded on that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, notice the difference, and doesn't act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Now, Jesus is showing us basically... There are two ways you go in life. There, there's no third option. You're either building on something solid and sure, or you're building on something that will shift and move and can be washed away. So what do we see in this story? We see two men, two houses, one storm, two foundations, and two results. We see two men. What are the, who are the two men? A wise man, and what's the difference between them? A wise man and a foolish man. The wise man hears and acts on the words of Jesus. Now, now let, me, let me just point this out. You know something has authority in your life when you hear it and then you do it. You see, I can say all day long, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, but if I don't ever let the Bible move me to act differently, to take actions, obviously, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within, okay? Because we're Christians, because the new creation power of God is inside of us. But if I'm not moved internally to, to take the advice, the consultation, the commandments of God from Scripture and move in my action to live differently, I don't really believe them. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say all day long, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, but if you're not being moved to take action to live Christ-like, then you don't trust the authority of Scripture. It's just a good idea. It's one of many options that is dependent upon what suits you in the moment. Whoa. And the foolish man hears and he doesn't act on the words of Jesus. He hears and, and, and goes, oh, that's nice. And then there's no action. And that's the difference. And then one house, house number one was built on the rock. And house here represents a life, the life of a person. You're building a life like you would build a house. The materials and the methods you use will, will determine how well the life that your building will stand the tests of eternity. Acting on the words of Jesus will make us build on the rock. Acting is embracing his authority. Amen? Amen. And then there's a house, number two, on the sand. Building your life on sand is to build upon workspace religion or man's philosophies or man-made wisdom or pop psychology or political ideology None of these things will endure the storms of life or the final judgment. 
If your authority for living is something other than God's word, it won't stand the test of time and eternity. Now, now listen, I'm going to stop here real quick and just say something to you. I know some of you, you're, you're thinking really loudly. And I can imagine what you're thinking right now. And you're like, yeah, but the Bible has so many weird things in it. How do I know what to trust and what not to? And I mean, it's got so many different stories in it. And, and, and some people will say it has contradictions, which it does not, but you have to know how to answer those things. You have to be able to give the explanation, the context behind them. But, but the Bible's troubling at times. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I read it and I, God and I, we go to the mat over it. I was recently reading in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, and about every chapter was ticking me off. First of all, I couldn't believe how evil people could be. But I couldn't believe the stuff that, like, God, why don't, you do, why don't you do something about that? Why didn't you jump in there and do something about that? How, what, what in the world, Lord? So let's be clear, just because the scripture's inspired by God and the spirit has breathed it, that's not God saying, I sanction everything in that book. Whatever, whatever's written in there is what I'm behind. That's not what God's saying at all. The fact that it's been God breathed and that the Holy Spirit moved on these men to write it down, they had to write the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And as they were writing, they were like, okay, well, this guy right here is a knucklehead, and his son's a knucklehead, and his grandson's a knucklehead, and these people did all kinds of evil things, and they were God's people. And this guy right here, he was morally and ethically corrupt when he did that. Oh, over here he wrote a psalm about it where he repented. But the Bible doesn't pull punches. It doesn't hide human sin. It doesn't hide our failure. It doesn't cover it up. It doesn't pretend it doesn't exist. It like brings it out in the open and goes, look at it all. And then watch me override it all. Watch me always be a step ahead of the devil and human sin and evil. Watch me go ahead and, and work it out and plan so that when you fail, there's already grace for you. When you fail, I'm already there to pick you up. When you fail, I've already made provision in my grace for your sin and your failure. Am I talking to anybody? I am almost done. And that storm came. And the rain fell and the river rose. It's ironic I'm preaching on this. We just had an incredible hurricane hit Florida. And obviously, we need to be praying for Florida and South Carolina and North Carolina. I mean, the devastation is terrible. And they know what it's like to go through a real storm, right? So what's it say? It says, the rain fell, the river rose, the winds blew, and pounded on the house. And it seems that the storm was of the same intensity with both homes. The only difference was the foundation. What are you building on? And I started with the question, who has authority? Who or what has authority in your life? And if you're like, I'm the master of my own destiny, I'm in charge of myself, nobody can tell me what to do, I'm the boss, I'm telling you, that thinking will lead to destruction and pain and bad decisions. There's got to be authority and authority outside of yourself. And we all have them. I can tell you right now, every one of us in this room has a, some kind of authority in our life that's dictating how we make our decisions and how we live. What's yours going to be? Is it going to be a rock or is it going to be sand? 
And the storm, the rain fell and the wind rose and the winds blew and they pounded on house number two and it caused it to collapse. House number one, it did not collapse because it was founded on the rock. House number two, it collapsed with a great crash. You know, it's sad. I'm gonna speak very pastorally here. It's sad over the years as a pastor when you walk with people because sometimes you even warn people You'll be sitting with them, they're sharing their life with you, and you're like, that's not a good decision, bro. I'm not trying to control your life. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm just, I'm telling you, that's not a good decision. I don't feel right about that. Not only that, it doesn't look right. No, I know better. God told me. And how are you going to argue with someone when they tell you God told them? How did God tell you? Did he show you that in Scripture? Did he, how, how did he tell you? Well, I just feel it's the right thing to do. Okay. And then, and then what happens? You watch it, and they crash. Their house collapses, and great is the destruction of it. And you have to sit with them in their brokenness and weep with them as they weep. And that's okay, but it sure would have been better if you didn't have to. It sure would have been better if they would have listened to counsel based in Scripture and heard the warning and heeded it and been able to come out the other side of it and go, that was the right decision. God spared me. Amen. The only difference between these two men was the foolish man hears the words of Jesus and does not act upon them. And the wise man hears the words of Jesus and acts upon them. One little commentary there. Thank you, Emily. One little commentary there. We're not going to even be able to hear the words of Jesus if we're not people of Scripture. Now, look, I've learned something over the years. Guilt trips don't work. I've learned that guilt and shame doesn't get people to change. Have you learned that? It doesn't work with your children. It doesn't work with your spouse. It doesn't work. Guilt tripping on people, shaming people, over time, they just get wore out and, and you lose their heart and there's wounds, Right? But there is a time to be challenged. And here's my challenge to you in the weeks ahead as we look at biblical doctrine, as we look at the foundational beliefs of what it means to be a Christian. Here's my challenge to you. That even if you don't have a clue where to start and how to do it, you find somebody in the church and you say, can you help me learn how to read the scripture on a regular basis and get into it? Because I want to get it in my head and I want to get it in my heart and let me tell you if you lay down to sleep tonight and you put the Bible over your head it's not going to get in there it doesn't work that's a really bad methodology you have to read it meditate on it so look for a, a saint that's down the road further than you that's a little more advanced and say, how do you do this thing? How do you read the Bible on a regular? How do I get it into my heart? How do I not, not just read it, but like, how about get down into my fabric, my person, and influence the way I live? And change the way I think and feel about things. See, the wise man hears the words of Jesus and then acts on them. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word for your truth, for loving us, for rescuing us from the power of sin and death.
for including us in your family. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, give you peace. Go with God. God goes with you. God bless you.